Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of Beyond Strategy, an ACG National Capital Region podcast focused on the leaders that drive innovation, enhance understanding, and achieve market-clearing outcomes in the National Capital Region. I am Andy McEnroe of Raymond James's Defense and Government Investment Banking Team. And I am Jen Wappas of the Infinity Wealth Management Group at RBC. Episode 9 marks the second part of our three-part series on the formation of companies in the government contracting market. Today, we focus on Dark Wolf Solutions, an innovative company that came into existence via a spin-out from Wolf Den Associates in 2018. On the hot seat in the world-renowned Beyond Strategy Studios are Rick Tassavainen, CEO, and Steve Bailey, COO. Dark Wolf Solutions combines the most bleeding-edge technologies with deep federal domain expertise through cutting-edge intelligence services, DevSecOps, agile software development, information operations, penetration testing, and incident response, among other capabilities. Rick and Steve are both innovative business leaders that bring both experience and creativity to the job. In my opinion, what separates the Dark Wolf team from the pack is the culture that they've established as well as the mission-focused work that they pursue. In addition, Rick, Steve, and the other team members that I have met are genuinely good people and know how to balance hard work for their core customers with an enjoyable working atmosphere. Now, here is our discussion with Rick Tassavainen and Steve Bailey of Dark Wolf Solutions. We are excited to be joined today on Beyond Strategy by Rick Tassavainen, CEO, and Steve Bailey, COO of Dark Wolf Solutions. Gentlemen, thank you for being here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Let's start from the beginning. Did either of you envision when you joined Wolf Den in 2013 and 2016, respectively, that you would be running a rapidly growing government contracting firm? Well, that was always the hope, Andy, and uh, I'm glad that you called it that. It, it certainly feels like that on some days. Some days it's a, it's a little bit more challenging, and it doesn't feel like we're, we're going in the right direction. But overall, it's been a, a great ride getting here, and the firm uh, continues to grow. We've, we've got several things in our pipeline we're still pursuing, and we've always, we've always positioned ourselves as a growth organization. Uh, we'll touch upon this, you know, because I read ahead, as you said, I read ahead in, in some of the questions, so I know we'll be touching upon this well, more in the future. Well prepared for the interview. That's, <laughs> a, you know, check plus, A plus for the day, Rick. Uh, you know, Steve, you got to catch up here. Yep. Mm-hmm. Our mini series is focused on the creation of companies, and your story is fairly unique in the marketplace in that you were spun out of a privately held government contracting advisory firm, Wolfden, that we referenced earlier. Can you walk our audience through the creation of the technical solutions team inside of Wolfden, and then through the conversations that led to the carve-out. Yeah, so um, let me start by saying Kevin Robbins and Barry Landu, the founders of Wolfden, certainly a lot of credit to them on not only having the vision of, of this being potentially a really interesting platform for a services spin-out, but also being willing to take a risk on you know, potential OCI, perceived OCI with some of their customers, um, given the fact that we all knew going into it that the more successful we were as technical solutions, the more we were going to raise up on other companies' radars that we were potentially going through, uh, you know, going after services work. And so um, starting from the beginning and letting them or having them 
fully support this and be receptive to us building a team, building capacity, and then, you know, using the resources of Wolfden, not only on the on the basics of capture and proposal and, and, and that piece, but also just the networking, the introductions, the ability to potentially, uh, you know, get introduced to partners who helped us uh, early on with slots on contracts that we may not have otherwise had any business meeting with. Fast forward to 2018, you know, we really started to have some altitude and airspeed and uh, we knew there were some things we wanted to go after as a prime. And, um, you know, ultimately the the uh, the perceived OCI issue that we talked about early on started to kind of rear its head a little bit. Uh, admittedly for Rick and I, that was a great catalyst to start the conversations around, you know, now might be the right time. We, we had essentially matched them in head count. And, uh, you know, of course, our our folks were far more technical from the, from the you know, the computer science, computer engineering disciplines and uh, just different motivations, different interests, and what kind of benefits uh, that we're speaking to our folks. And so it, uh, you know, cer- certainly had its its moments and, and bumps along the way, but we remain four good friends. And, and of course, Barry and Kevin remain part of our board and are extremely valuable as uh, as folks uh, who continue to help us connect in the market and, and kind of give us the, uh, the access to both partners and just, uh, y- you know, where we can look to find that kind of sage guidance that uh, that you'd expect from a from a great board so so as you went through the split with wolf den in 2018 what was the hardest part of emerging on the other side as an independent company and then did you have the necessary infrastructure to effectively grow the business yeah so we we knew going into early early in 18 that we we felt like this could be the year that we set everything up to be ready to spin out. So a lot of work in, in 2018 went towards uh, establishing separate, uh, you know, back offices, if you will, setting up and identifying those key growth, uh, you know, kind of overhead folks that were going to be on the ground day one with, uh, with, with Rick and, and others do, doing the, uh, the, the early capture proposal. I mean, right at, at that point, everyone's wearing all, you know, multiple hats, but uh, long story short, um, you know, certainly the early days were were rough in the sense of you know we were just learning as we went. You know, building the building the plane as we flew it. To, you know, to use a consulting <laughs> reference, uh, but it was it was great. I mean, I, I look back on those those first few months, and I mean, it was just a whirlwind. Um, and you know, before we knew it, it was we had a couple prime contracts that really helped kind of you know pour gasoline on the fire. Everyone knows we you know we're all we're all kind of. Uh, we all chasing that next wind, uh, I think, in, in this industry, and, and certainly you get you get a rush off of that. And so, uh, having some of those wins out of the gate really helped kind of propel us, I think, as we we kind of looked to to where we wanted to go and, and kind of where we wanted the firm to head. Sure. So we always um, we like to focus back on leadership in a growing organization. So in order to be an effective leader, you need to invest in the people around you. It's clearly evident that uh, you have built a great brand out of Dark Wolf. You have a wolf head. there's a rumor Rumor. there's a rumor there's a rumor so how do you establish that culture yeah so she's asking about leadership do you want me to take take this one now (laughs) let me take a sip of my mai tai here first the said by people far far more knowledgeable than us in in this industry always who said just always be replacing yourself like be challenging the people who are below you to to take on your role and, and continue to build your own career. And I think that's something that we have done pretty well. We've been very fortunate. We've surrounded ourselves with really strong, what we call practice area leads. Uh, those, they, they lead the capability centers for us. We have a, a strong growth team. And we've really let them run what is what are effectively in the practice area lead case, 
many dark wolves. I mean, the, the, the practice areas now are the size of dark wolf just a few years ago. And, and they've got P&L responsibility. They work with the growth team to determine what we're going to pursue. Uh, and, and then they, they not only assist with writing those winning proposals, but then of executing those things. So to, in some ways, they've become their own CEOs of, of what was Dark Wolf. And it's kind of re- refreshing to see that. And they also push Steve and me to, to go out and work on the business instead of in the business. So figure out what's, what's next, what's, what are we going after from a strategic perspective, in my case, or for Steve, how to position the company so that we can go after those bigger pursuits. Uh, and really our, our large focus, or our focus now going forward is, is uh, full and open into next year. So how do we position for that? Are there any guiding principles, a North Star, if you will, that you communicate with your team about that they then turn around and leverage in building their respective practice areas? You know, we, we of course have our values and, um, you know, Rick may have touched on this already, but uh, customer first is one that we adopted from, from Wolf Den. And, and I think, you know, we recognize our, our business is only viable because we have customers who, uh, you know, see us as trusted advisors, respect our technical capability, and uh, understand that they're um, getting a partner who's prepared to to invest in them as much as they're investing in us. And so, you know, we certainly are quick to leverage that, um, you know, that value when it comes to the, the big picture, how to think about solving problems, both at a tactical level and then at a more strategic level when it comes to um, how we want teams to be executing on contract, how we want our uh, PA leads to be representing us uh, both in the market to partners, but also uh, to potential uh, new hires or uh, to customers that we meet. And, and certainly, you know, we've, we've always looked at this as a long game, right? We, we do want to build those customer relationships. We want to help make people uh, in our, you know, from our customer side successful so that they can move on into bigger and better roles and that they think of, the, the first call being, I need to get Dark Wolf in here with me in my new capacity. Uh, to me, it's that, that's, that's how I want our relationship to kind of evolve with customers versus thinking about, you know, how can we position this contract type to be the most profitable for Dark Wolf or how do we make sure that we maximize our potential bonus? I, I think those are, those are very nearsighted um, ways of looking at, uh, you know, how to build a brand and how to build kind of a, a confidence with your broader leadership team about what's important to you as, as kind of the, the most senior folks in the firm. So what's the dynamic between the two of you um, and the rest of the leadership team? So what roles do you play in building culture, running the business, orchestrating growth among the day-to-day tasks that you have to do as well? Yeah, so I, I can start. I'm sure Steve will fill in, but I get to do all the fun things. So <laughs> what, is what, that? Would you, what would you say you do here? What would you say you do here? <laughs> You're a people person. I'm a people person. Yeah, I mean, I take the requirements from the users and I bring them down to the developers. It, it I'm, I'm far more outward facing, meeting with potential customers or meeting with customers when we first sign with them. Also, meeting with partners in industry, meeting with fine firms like the two that you you represent here, and and really trying to figure out how do we best position, and I've touched upon this earlier, but how do we best position Dark Wolf for uh, graduation as a small business and establish those relationships that are going to be necessary for us as we, we always say we got to crawl, walk, run to, to build the business. And we're going to have to do that again as we move into full and open here. 
Meanwhile, Steve deals with all of the internal machinations of the company, all of the, the hard things, um, and says, stay out of my business. <laughs> <laughs> just like that, stay out of my yeah, business. Yeah, just stay out of here. <laughs> Oliver is much the same. He runs growth, and uh, again, he he's like he's 100% focused on that, uh, especially working with partners to, to build teams and then actually uh, field those teams during the, the proposal phase. And then our, our PA leads, I touched upon them earlier, they really are running their own little businesses here, but we expect them to work very well together. We know that there's a lot of gray lines, right? We have cybersecurity, we got software and DevOps, we got digital transformation. Most opportunities that come out these days are focused across those. So we expect them to, to work with each other. They actually just had their, their monthly lunch yesterday. They send us the bill after they get together and commiserate over right. what it's like to work for us. Uh, hopefully it's it, got to be a big bill. It was two and a half hours yesterday. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, I don't yeah. know. He spent two and a half hours. I at, should get a stopwatch and like have it go off when they leave and yeah. so that they are, they're aware that we're tracking how long they're gone. Exactly. <laughs> Especially when they eat at Taco Bell. I mean, how do you spend two and a half hours? At Taco Bell? <laughs> we only authorize for $30. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I do think it's, it's worth noting that, you know, I, we see a lot of firms and friends in the market, frenemies in the market, even, um, where the, the couple folks at the at the top of the organization, they, they do tend to blend a bit more in roles. And I don't know, maybe we're lucky, maybe we're not, I don't know. But it, certainly between Oliver, Rick, and I, there is some pretty delineated, uh, you know, kind of lines of, of what we're responsible for. And I, I would hope that helps with some of the, the broader leadership team in the firm as as a whole because, um you know, there, there creates some real accountability there. There's, there's no mistaking, like if it's operational related, you, you know, that, that is my problem to deal with or my uh, success to deal with, I guess, uh, in some cases. Um, but, but I do think that that's been helpful for us is that we, we kind of create uh, a bit of a united front, but also have kind of clear understanding, uh, you know, clear messaging, if you will, to the rest of the firm about how, uh, you know, who to go to for that kind of ultimate decision responsibility. Great answer, but that was more of the generic podcast answer. I want to peel that response back, and let's dig into the fact that your relationship goes beyond the four walls that comprise Dark Wolf. How does your family connection help or hurt you when you're running the business? Well, I, I don't think the fam- I don't think uh, like holiday dinners and get-togethers are really le- loved by the rest of the family because all we do is talk about Dark Wolf. But uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it's surprising that we actually tolerate each other as much as we do. I mean, we meet at the gym every morning at six forty-five, so we're we're together first thing in the morning. We're at work. We sit, you know, share a wall in, a, in an office all day, and then obviously we oftentimes are out doing you know kind of networking things in, in industry events at night. And so, um, you know, it's surprising that we still don't have you know we get in, it's surprising we don't get into arguments or fights <laughs> anymore. But uh, but you, you would, know, would you say that that characteristic is unique to the two of you because of your personalities, or is that an inherent family trait where you trust the other one in the pursuit of their work stream? It's possible. I mean, obviously, there's there's no no question of the trust between the two of us, and there's also, I think, a feeling of you know we we've never, as far as I can remember, never had any kind of issue that's ever been 
uh, unresolved in front of anyone else in the company. Because it was resolved when you yes. were when you were kids growing up. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, in a lot of ways, yes, but uh, but it's just there, there is one hundred percent a united front there. Like there is no question, even if I have a complete disagreement with Rick or vice versa, that's never going to go beyond a private conversation in front of anyone else. And so, and and then to your point, yeah, I mean, you know, if he says we need to jump on something, you know, it's how high, and and I think vice versa there. And I do think that you know, it's part of what makes this job extremely fun is that it's you, you know you get to go to work with someone that you you have such a high degree of confidence in is is supporting you and and of course you in turn you want to do everything in your power to make that person successful as well so i think we are probably uniquely positioned compared to some folks maybe in that regard but um but it does make the job a lot of fun to to have this kind of connection and, and just be able to spend 12 plus hours a day with someone you you know you enjoy spending time with so we still fight for favorite son status with dad, though. Who's winning currently? He called dad yesterday. It's been two weeks for me. Uh, <laughs> ooh. Yeah. Is it, would you say it's easier to work with a sibling or a spouse? <laughs> Jen, that question's kind of I, for you, too. Yeah. Oh. I've actually done all of that, so I don't think it's a big deal at all. I worked in a family business growing up, though. Well, your sibling was a spouse? That's weird. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> We're put, not in West Virginia. Put, put that in the blooper. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, a, that's part of the blooper reel. But, you know, my, my wife does work with us. In fact, she's anything you see on social media is her. Even when it's me posting, it's usually her. Um, it's probably a security violation. Right, yeah, LinkedIn. Yep. Talk to the FSO. Yeah. So it's, it's certainly, uh, you know, early on when we were very small, she actually did our payroll and kind of did a lot of our accounting stuff. In, and she is a um, communications marketing person by by academic and, and back in professional background and i will tell you you find out real quick how strong things are when you've got someone in a very critical role who has no professional background doing the work and at 9 30 at night you're trying to figure out you know she's trying to figure out how to get into a WAF and, and submit critical invoices that we need to get paid in 30 days so we have the the cash flow available so uh but it all worked out in the end and so and now she, she repays it by doing things like buying wolf costumes and you know doing doing stuff like that and subjecting me to humiliation in front of the company we've spun away from our initial conversation pardon the pun uh but let's get back to the point here at hand as we're talking about how businesses are formed in the government contracting market for individuals that are inside of a firm currently that may think that that firm or the division of the firm, I should say, would operate better independently, is a spin-out a viable strategy? And is that something that could bring up directly uh, with the leadership of the parent company? Or is this something that needs to be established on day one, knowing that it could be a viable outcome down the line? We've got to be careful what we say here because we have 250 people coming to us asking <laughs> right. about spinning it out from Dark Wolf tomorrow. It's a terrible idea. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I think our, our situation was admittedly very unique. Um, what Wolf then does in the market now, Deepwater Point, uh, is obviously an incredibly well-placed, and incredibly valuable service, and incredibly good at what they do. Uh, but they also are not necessarily as competitive to say a traditional GovCon services firm and thus does provide some opportunity for them to say we, we could be a platform for, for a company like a, you know, aspiring dark wolf to, to, you know, create the, the infrastructure, create the, the groundswell, if you will, to, to then basically spin out and, and go do, do your own thing. I, I do think 
for other practitioners who are maybe in more traditional settings with with you know a uh, a services firm that's that's providing uh, direct support to the government. One interesting scenario would be, I think, as a small to medium-ish size firm, one of the pieces of advice that we've always gotten that has uh, resonated is stay as deep and as narrow as you can for as long as you can. So if you're in a position where you are providing what would be kind of maybe a more ancillary capability to a firm that's more focused strategically on, you know, X and Y and your Z, uh, I think that could be maybe an interesting scenario where, you know, you're saying like, you know, let me let me do what I'm good at and let me uh, potentially create an economic advantage for you by doing this as a separate entity. Um, but, you know, let me do it uh, in a way that I can eventually, you know, kind of spread my wings and fly. I, th- I think that that could be interesting because I do think most of the small firms that we interact with and have a lot of respect for tend to live by that same credo of stay, stay deep and stay um, as narrow as possible. I'd also say it takes a long time to get through this, right? Plan for at least six months. And that is if conversations are going extremely well, it's just a lot of planning, a lot of determining what the organization is going to look like. What is the ownership structure? What's the cap table look like? Um, that, that stuff takes time. And uh, we were, as Steve mentioned, we were fortunate because from the beginning we thought this could happen. Uh, although the original, the original outline of what Dark Wolf would be was a, a one-page page piece of paper. One-page piece of paper. I, I think as we got closer and closer to finalization of an operating agreement, we wish that piece of paper had a lot more content <laughs> and details in it, a lot open to interpretation, but it was a good starting point. Well, Rick, Steve, you're part of a new experiment here on Beyond Strategy, an ACG National Capital Region podcast, as Jen and I try to be a lighter, funnier, but still informative version of bringing you info and intel from around the National Capital Region. And so our newest experiment is to do this interview with a cocktail in hand. And so, Jen, let me turn it over to you to tell our audience what the cocktail is for this interview. Yeah, so we're having um, wonderful Mai Tais from Tiki Tai in Reston. And um, if you may or may not be the the favorite bar of Rick and Steve, may or may not. I mean, that's up to you guys. But I would say if you have they haven't paid, they haven't paid for this endorsement. No, they have not. And if you have not been, I would highly recommend it. Their Mai Tais are fantastic, right? Yeah, spectacular. Ask for Sherry. (laughs) She's she's the best waitress there. So we, we would love the audience to learn a little bit more about what makes each of you tick. And we, we typically ask this in a different way. Um, Back when we were serious when, podcasters. When we were serious <laughs> podcasters, we'd ask for you guys to describe your, your leadership style in one word. But since you're family, Steve, if Rick were a happy hour beverage, what would he be and why? And Rick, same question for you about Steve. Oh, you're going to use the time to think. <laughs> see how I respond. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see where I want to go with this. I know you're going to say malt liquor, so you might as well just say malt liquor. No. <laughs> Why would he say that? Oh, oh, wait, wait. You'll you'll hear. Oh. Um, I, I I got an idea. I have an idea. So to me, and I'm hoping again to get some sponsorship, not just from Tiki Tai, but hopefully from Solace Brewery. Steve is like a partly cloudy from Solace Brewery. Uh, we happen to like solace uh we keep it on tap in in the office uh, it is empty right now that the keg but why why was steve uh, uh partly cloudy you've got a, a little bit of haze in there but it is a tasty beverage however it can be very bitter though if you if you cross it <laughs> <laughs> you drink a little too much 
<laughs> oh, there you go. Oof, that's that's pretty tough to that's pretty tough to beat. I was um, thinking about that last night. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad. Maybe a Jack and Coke. If I had to, if you know, put me on the spot, mm-hmm. um, I would say, you know, you drink a Jack and Coke when you're looking to kind of have a lot of energy into the night, and you know, Rick is definitely. Uh, I like to refer to him as a bit of a pace setter, right? He's the guy who, you know, he's first guy in type person. He's the guy who'll stay the longest. Um, and so it, it motivates me. And I know it motivates a lot of the leadership team to, to kind of obviously want to match that. And so in that regard, uh, you know, that's the Coke. But then, uh, you know, he also, uh, you know, when you have too much of it, it's uh, <laughs> it can be a real crash and burn situation. Uh, but uh, no, it's, I, I guess I would say you, you can never go wrong with it, right? It's, it's, a, it's a good drink, but you can, you can use it at a more higher end social setting and, and you, know, you can go into a dive bar and order one as well. So uh, it works in all settings, basically kind of like Rick, I guess. So uh, that, that would be, I guess, my uh, off the cuff response on that. It's the nicest thing you ever said about me. That was nice. <laughs> Getting a little emotional. That was nice. <laughs> all right. So coming full circle. What are the plans for Dark Wolf moving forward? Will you look to acquire companies? Where might you deploy capital to fuel further growth? What are you guys going to do? I, I don't like to have, you know, I like to watch the bank account increase, so I don't like to spend anything on anyone. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I, I, look, I, I think, um, you know, we make no illusions about what our objectives are. We want to grow as a firm. We think that's, um, that's how we not only provide our employees uh, with new opportunities to you know, increase their own and meet their own career career goals, but also, you know, we, we think we've got a capability and a you know a different a set of differentiators that uh, that, that, that give us a lot of runway here. And so, um, I, I think we're obviously focused on organic growth. That's that's certainly uh, the, the kind of the objective. Uh, but we we also do recognize that as we've learned a bit more and, and had a chance to kind of meet more folks in industry and understand kind of how some of some of these different firms are using all of the levers available to them. I certainly think acquisitive growth is, is not something we're afraid to explore. Um, I think we would be very, I think we would be very conscientious about what type of firms and, and what type of, you know, capabilities and, and things that would be interesting to us. And I also think we would be looking for firms that are ready to really kind of double down uh, with, with a, you know, and become part of a, a bigger uh, team, if you will, and, and really kind of see if one plus one really can equal three. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously that's uh, a lot of people are interested in that type of firm. And so uh, so, so we'll have to see if, if we, we can identify someone that, that might be interesting in that regard. Uh, not that we're actively looking per se, but it's more of just meeting companies in the market and kind of assessing where they're at in their lifespan. So uh, but, but our number one goal is to continue growing in the in the not only the capabilities that we do currently, uh, we're looking at maybe adding one or two things to the uh, to the capability portfolio, but then really doubling down in some of the uh, the customers that we have today that that uh, we're very passionate about their missions, be it the SOCOMs of the world, uh, Air Force, of course, some of the DOD at, at large, and then of course some of our uh, some of our Intel customers as well. Excellent. So let's talk recruiting and how you can grow the business through strategic hires. What's the pitch? for why a potential employee should join Dark Wolf over another organization operating in the federal market. Yeah, so <laughs> almost every strategic hire we've ever picked up was, was sort of by accident, but that's that's a good thing. So um, you directly asked this, but, but a lot of it is meeting with other people in the industry, having conversations about teaming and growing to know that person and they get to know you. Uh, fortunately, 
we've over time had people get excited about Dark Wolf. Uh, and and I think the things that draw them in is that while we're a small company, we tend to, we believe that, uh, that we punch above our weight class. And that's because we do have a pretty sophisticated back office. We have a, a, a strong uh, proposal, capture and proposal uh, development shop. And we're not afraid to, to make big bets and to go after go after things that are really exciting to us. New customers, customer intimacy, okay. I, I mean, love to have it. If you don't have it, doesn't mean we're not going to go after it and try to prime something. And we've been very successful with that. It is, again, not the recipe for, for success. But at the end of the day, it's, it's Steve and me who get to make the decisions. And we don't have board sitting over us that's going to say like no you can't go after that because you haven't performed enough capture you can't go after that swim lane because it's just too different from what you currently do uh had we maybe listened to more of the traditional govcon rhetoric we wouldn't have primed anything for the longest time but when we launched from wolf den we had two prime contracts one at uh, stratcom and one at nga neither of which we had a lot of customer intimacy in or, or we knew we knew the work, we knew how to do the work, mm-hmm. but we didn't know that specific uh, aspect of it. And then in both cases, we were successful. We're still at Stratcom on effectively the same program. Um, NGA, we were there until they closed the Office of Ventures and Innovation, which wasn't our fault. That, I think, has been a way to draw in strategic talent, people who want to be a part of a, a winning team, People will know that if they bring us something really interesting, we're going to back, we'll turn, we'll put the whole firm behind you. Like, let's go after it. Let's, let's try to win it. And when we win it, we'll, we'll have high fives. We'll, we'll toast each other, but then it's all right, let's, let's get executing it. Meanwhile, I'll move on to, to the next thing. What else are we going to pursue? So uh, I, I think that that attracts a certain type of person and, and we've been successful at bringing them in. I just, I'll just add one other thing to that is, uh, I would say in our experience, and I think we've gotten this advice as well, is that uh, strategic hires are never never going to come into your orbit when you want them to come into your orbit. They're going to come in when, you know, at, at in some cases, maybe the worst possible time. And I think it's incumbent upon you as kind of the senior leaders to be, uh, you know, really, one, putting your heads down and figuring out how to potentially make someone who you're convinced is going to add your business fit in and, and how to make them productive and, and, and in a position to be successful. But also, you know, ideally you're hiring enough of the right leadership team around you that those other individuals don't see people as threats. And I think we've been very lucky and that our leadership team is pretty bought into kind of our moves. And so when we've brought in a new director, let's say, or someone at a senior level, there's been a very, receptive response to that and a lot of like okay like we're better together than you know worrying about is this person coming in to 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 potentially split the split the baby if you will and so uh, I do think that that's that's a big part of it as well of course having some some levers available to you as you think about your org structure your how your cap table set up what type of organization you are uh, for those really hard to find and hard to reach people uh, is important too right because you know oftentimes salary and and bonus are, are not going to be enough to, to really attract those those folks that can make a difference for you in the, in the long run. It is clear from our conversation today that Dark Wolf is a differentiated business within the government contracting market. You've also built a tremendous culture by surrounding yourself with A players. But as we pivot toward the end of our time together today on the podcast, 
I'd like to talk about life lessons that may be additive to our audience. What's one lesson your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point? This is the obvious one. Uh, do not have the bathrooms in your main area. This was your office. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> terrible. It's, it's a terrible idea. Oh my God. Steve had it. There's got to be a really, story behind yeah, that. They, well, Steve found really nice space down in It was like $8 a foot. It was fantastic. <laughs> it, yeah, it was not class A. No. Uh, but it had a great, in the back there was this a great workshop area. We actually built several drones there. You could fly the drones in there. We actually had one of our interns call up Dulles Airport and get uh, approval to fly his drone outside the garage and fly it above. Just right in the flight path. Yeah. So I didn't know about that until afterwards. I I was very concerned someone from the FAA was going to be calling us, (laughs) but yeah. But the the space was, it was great space for early launch. Dogs could be in the office. Yeah. Um, Dogs, who are well-behaved aren't always well-behaved either in the office. So yep. that led to a few issues, but we eventually had all the cleaning materials that you could possibly want. But, but it did have one downside, which was the, it was, as a kind of industrial space, it, the, the restrooms were in unit versus kind of being in a hallway. And so it was just, it was less than ideal for some of the obvious reasons. Um, one being that it was like, 98% men in the office. Um, that the restroom was right next to my office, but so that meant that the women's room was often open. <laughs> so did you use it? I there there may have been, <laughs> and then when someone's looking for you and they're like, "Where's Rick?" Oh, and you're trying to move the tiles up so you can get up there and low crawl out because you can't be seen walking out of there. <laughs> Probably part of the blue purge reel. Yeah, that's some blue purge. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's um, uh, someone. Someone is actually quoting myself back to me, so I don't know how this comes across if I'm quoting myself through someone else. But they they made the point of uh, I was. We'd asked the, one of the guys who now is running our software DevOps practice area. Obviously, you know, one of the three pillars for us, and uh, in, in you know, overseeing probably seventy five to one hundred people uh, from Dark Wolf. He, um, we were, we were talking about, uh, he, he just got promoted recently. So we were at a dinner with him and we were talking about the story of how he got to where he was. And, and basically he said, um, you know, he had just gotten elevated to be a PM. And so he was PMing his first project and he was six months do, doing that. And I, and myself and Oliver took him out to lunch and, uh, we basically said, you know, Sam, what do you think about stepping into, uh, the P the practice area leader role? And he's like, well, I've only been doing this for six months. I'm not sure if I'm you know, ready to do that yet. And I said, don't worry, I've never been a COO before, but I'm, I'm doing that <laughs> too. So we're, we're going to figure this out together. And, and what I'll say from that is just, you know, there, I do think there is, can, or can be this perception of like, there's some schooling or there's some, something these people that are running these companies have had access to that you as a practitioner, maybe that are sitting in like a, a seniorish level role, um, haven't had, or, or, or feel like you're missing from your, uh, from your portfolio, if you will, of skill sets and experiences. And, um, y- you know, I would tell you that waiting for that to, it's almost like having kids, like waiting for you to be in that perfect position of having them is, is a fool's errand. It's, it's like, you know, there's some level of, you got to rip the bandaid off and trust in yourself and then trust that you can put the people around you, 
um, you know, if you will, to, to basically make you successful. Um, and it doesn't always work out, but I think that's to me, uh, an important lesson here because I don't think there's a dark wolf if Rick and I don't make a couple, you know, big leaps throughout the, the early years of 2016 or 2014, 2015, 2016. So, so we end all of our interviews with maybe the most imperative question that we ask, what is the most important thing that we should know about Rick Tassavainen and Steve Bailey? Mm, I, I would say, well, hopefully, hopefully when people think about me, they think about me as being, uh, Steve mentioned this a little bit earlier, but energetic, really enthusiastic, really, uh, we, we said this earlier too, we're really there for the win. Like we love to beat others. We love to go up against the bigs in a full and open. We love to walk away with, with, with the win it is, it's what energizes us. It's what feeds us. It's what makes us want to come to work every single day. And I love coming to work. I'm, I'm in an office person. I know that's not always super popular these days. I love seeing people on camera. I, I feed off all of that energy. I love meeting with customers. I love meeting with, with industry. Uh, we, we said this too before, although not in this interview, like this is our time. We feel like what a great time to be in the government industry We've got this whole DevSecOps revolution, continuous ATO, AI, ML, like things are moving fast and it's really wonderful to be a part of it. We've got great leaders throughout the government, uh, though some, one of them in particular that we love very much is, is, uh, is leaving her post, but um, she's, she left in a good spot. So it's, it, it's really exciting. And, and that's what, that's why I want to be here. That's why I'm going to continue to be here. And I'll continue to do it until it's no longer fun. I, I can imagine some things that people do say about me at Dark Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think for me, I would hope that uh, people see, especially given my role in the company, me as being uh, fair. Uh, I, I do think despite a little bit of the, the, the fluff, if you will, um, about me being cheap or, or hard um, about on, on making decisions, uh, I think the reality is is that, uh, I, I try to be really transparent with our leadership team. I feel like uh, I want them to be part of decisions. I want them to feel like uh, they have not only the accountability, but the authority to make decisions. And so, you know, to me, I've always said this, I sometimes don't, it almost feels like a dream to me that we actually own Dark Wolf. And so in a lot of respects, I feel like sometimes I'm you, you know, the cat that caught the canary in terms of the way I run it. It's like, I don't feel like it's mine. I feel like I'm you know, running someone else's company and, and I manage it in a way where it's like, I just want to make the company successful. There's, um, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of the approach I've taken. And I, I would hope that, uh, pe people see, see me that in that respect, I think, I think the leadership team does by and large, at least that, that they have, you know, my full support to execute the work, to go after the work that they think is, is right. And, and on personnel decisions that they have my full backing, um, good and bad in terms of, promotion readiness, moving into bigger roles, and then where we have performance issues. And so, um, and, you know, Rick said it as well, you, you know, I do feel a lot like, you know, we say this quite a bit around the office. It's, you know, it feels like it's, this is our time. Like we, um, we have something special here um, and we need to capitalize on it because it's, you know, we're only going to have one, one real shot to, to do this right. And, uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it's really important to me that, uh, you know, we look back on this for however long the ride is and, and are able to say, like, we did it the right way. We, we took care of the people that mattered to us and helped us achieve those goals. And we um, were proud of it. And 
you, you know, and that to me is would be the best possible outcome. Rick Tassavainen, CEO, and Steve Bailey, COO of Dark Wolf Solutions, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having thank you for us. Having us and thank you for the drink. Well, special thanks again to Rick Tassavainen and Steve Bailey of Dark Wolf Solutions for joining us here on Episode 9 of Beyond Strategy, an ACG National Capital Region podcast. We also want to thank you, the listener, for joining us today and remind you, if this is your first time listening, to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. For Jen Wappas, I am Andy McEnroe. Robert Miller and the Silver Edge story is up next. We hope you will join us on the next episode of Beyond Strategy.